Okay, if y'all would, let's go to Revelation chapter 2. Is this, um, we're going to turn Revelation chapter 2 into a Passover message. <laughs> anyway, because it Passover's right here upon us. And so as we're going there, um, this is probably no doubt going to probably be a two-parter in this little section here. Because what I want to do is this, is every year, you know, we, we pray, and I covet your prayers always, you know, that we pray that the Father would give us a message in the time and the hour that we're in, in these seasons. Because it's not that just that we're going through the motions of a feast. He wants to speak to us, and He wants to speak to this generation as we're going through this, these feasts, because the whole thing is about remembrance. It's about a memorial. But as we go through this remembrance and a memorial, still there's things that's happening in our lives today, this, this tangible that, that we're fighting really the same battles that our forefathers has fought. And so we can usually, depending on where we're at uh, as a congregation, as a family, we can usually go to the Torah somewhere in the prophets or through the New Testament, the Brit Hadashah. You can find somewhere you fit right in there. And, and the reason why the scriptures are there because they're living their life and they give us hope during this time. Uh, when we're abounding and life is good, it reminds us not to be pride and haughty. It reminds us to be thankful and faithful. Or we are gonna, a lot of times we forget to be thankful when things are going great. But at the same time, when our world gets turned upside down, it shows us that He never leaves us or forsakes us. And even in the dark times. And when Israel was going through the dark times in Egypt, especially whenever, I mean, think about it. Here, here's Moses. Moses is minding his own business, watching sheep. He goes and he sees this burning bush that can't be consumed. And then all of a sudden he hears voices coming out of the bush. He's probably checking, did I have too much wine? Or what's going on? Because there's this bush calling me. And not only is this bush calling me, now it's telling me to get rid of my sandals. This is holy ground. So there's an awakening, and there's something happening to him. Am I dreaming? Am I not dreaming? Who am I going to tell? They're not going to believe me. They're going to think I'm a nut and all of the above. you got all of this stuff happening. And then Moses finally realized what's happening, and he takes the mandate that the Father gives him, and he sends him back to Egypt. So he goes back to Egypt with a rod, a staff, and he comes to Pharaoh and says, let my people go. And then Pharaoh says, well, I don't know you. Well, I know you, but I don't know your God. I definitely don't know him, and who in the world I'm going to let him go. And so Moses throws his staff down becomes a snake or a serpent, you know, whether it's a crocodile or whatever it is, it's a serpent. And But the magicians do the same thing. They throw their two down, and so we have the same manifestation. Even though Moses' staff devours their staff, it, it's not just about that. It didn't change Pharaoh's heart. So what happened to the Hebrews after that episode? It got worse. So this is where we need to stay focused. Sometimes it may get worse before it gets better. Because it got worse for probably a couple of years. Now not only are we making bricks, you got to now 
go out and get your own. You got to be a gardener. You got to go out there and get your own straw, and then you got to bring it. And the quota cannot diminish. So the work got doubled, if not tripled, in that. And so a lot of times in our life when we go through, and this is why this this portion is so important for us, and even in the book of Revelation, this is, I want to say this, I believe this, I think we have an awesome and awesome community here. We just do. We just do. We've been through a lot. We've been through a lot, and we've been through a lot uh, with people who's been here, not here, and all of that, and that's here and there. But what I'm saying is, is the father, with, when he had Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and the 12 boys, he, he's building a family. He's building tribes. He's building communities. He's still doing that today. He's not not doing that. Because he gave that to Abraham to say, not only am I going to make your family great, and you, all the families of the earth, will be great if they will fall in line and obey my ways and my covenants. And it's only then will we be blessed and not be in the curses. And so I want to say this because as from the standpoint of a community, what we do today affects our children tomorrow. What our forefathers did in their day is affecting us today. But guess what? If, 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 we're, if we're having, if we feel like in our lifetime today, not only are we making bricks, but we're having to gather straw, if we feel that we're in that situation, then guess what? Take courage that you have the strength to do both. And maybe, maybe the making of the mud may be strengthening your legs for the journey. May the things that you go through may strengthen you spiritually to go through what we need to go through. A lot of times we complain about the physical and by complaining, we miss the picture of what he's telling us spiritually, how to prepare our lives to walk through what we need to walk through. Because, guys, we were doing this on Wednesday night. We were talking about uh, in Ephesians 6. And we we're talking about the, the uh, armor of Elohim. And we're talking about it's not a Roman soldier, but it's a high priest garment that he's talking about. It has the same garment. But it's important. But he's telling us, though, that we have to clothe ourselves. It's a choice. Every day we have to clothe ourselves. If we don't, if we forget, I'm telling you, Satan, look, Yahweh has got our backside. He's our rear guard. But here's the thing. Forget to put on a helmet. You may put on everything but the helmet or the miter. Then where is Satan going to attack you? In your mind. Put on this and forget your shield, your breastplate. Where is he? He's going to attack your heart, your spirit. What if you don't have the weapons of your warfare that you need, which is a censer, which is a sword that's praise? Because who goes before the battle? The praisers do because it's his battle and he, he, he wins it. And if necessary, he will use a sword. And so the thing is, is for us, I think the Father has... He has blessed me. He's blessed you guys in this community. I know he's blessing other communities. I'm talking to these other people. There's a lot of things happening in these days and hours. He's awakening his people. But here's the thing. Let's just say, because you have to be, you ha I have to think this way. 
I believe the Father's coming soon. Yeshua's coming soon. I believe that. But if not, I have to prepare for that also. And what do we have to prepare? I have to prepare the next generation. We have to prepare the children. So many people in congregations all over this world, they have, I mean, there's churches everywhere and there's no young people. In other words, there's not the children or the children's children. They're not the generations that's there. They're scattered everywhere. It, in other words, job means more than Yahweh. Place in, you, you know what I'm saying? And this is why I believe this is important when we're reading the scriptures in Revelation. So I'm going to pick up in verse 21. And it says, I gave her time to repent. But she refuses to repent of her sexual immorality. We talked about this in detail. That's idolatry. Idolatry in all forms is a sexual immorality. He is, look guys, today, today he is giving us time to repent. He's giving this nation time to repent. He's giving the nations of this world time to repent. But there's a choice. Are they going to repent or are they going to refuse? And he's not talking about just individuals. He's talking about governments. He's talking about because he will not bring judgment until there's a refusal of repentance. But when there's a refusal of repentance and then it's defined rebellion, then he's going to bring judgment. His wrath is going to be unfolded. Have we ever seen that in the Scriptures before? Absolutely. Then it says this, 22, Behold, I will throw her. Talk, this is about Jezebel. It's about that spirit, You're the wife. He said, I will throw her onto a sick bed. Usually where do you have sexual immoralities? On a bed. So you're on, on the very bed that you were deceiving people is I'm bringing judgment and I'm going to make you sick there. And then look what it says next. And those who commit adultery with her, the those he's going to throw into great tribulation. Unless they repent of her works. He's still giving opportunity and calling for repentance. This is what Passover is about. This is what, you know, Elul is about. These are the times and seasons that he puts in our lives that we have time to repent before it's too late. Because you don't ever know at the moment. Life or death, you just never know. So you, first of all, you see a sick bed. Now you see those who commit adultery with her in great tribulation. But look what it says next, verse 23. I will strike her children, what? What we do today will affect our children. We may go through tribulation, but if we don't repent when we see this, we're sticking our nose up at the Father. Our children, our offspring will be visited with death. They will be destroyed. And hopefully and prayerfully, this is not a spiritual death, but this is what he's talking about. This would be a spiritual death as well as a physical death. So I'm using this right here in this scripture. I'm going to get to a scripture maybe today because he tells us and he warns us in the Torah, if we're rebellious, he will visit the iniquities of the father to what? The third and the what? You, so right here in this scripture tells you where we've seen this before. 
This is no different. This is this is a repercussion, or this is a result of the Torah, to where you see there's a crying out for repentance to happen, and they're refusing. Eventually, somebody's going to pay the price, and this always happens, and it's so sad. It is really, really sad. But there's great hope in this story. And I believe that we're in the middle of this. He says this. All right, let me uh, finish 23. And it says, what does it say? All of the what? Is that is that plural? So he's not talking to just Thyatira here. He's talking to me and you today. He's talking to all seven in Revelation, but he's talking to all the congregations through the generations. He's not just talking about one, because it's plural here. He could have said until the he could have said to the church of Thyatira, but he didn't. But he says, until all of the congregations will know that I am he who searches the minds and the hearts, and that I will give each according to what? Your deeds, your works, your fruits, what you're doing with the talents that he's given us. But I hope and pray that we're in verse 24. But to the rest of you in Thyatira, who do not hold to this teaching, talking about Jezebel and the seducings and the mixture of mixing feasts and festivals and holidays and all of this other stuff, mixing this worship, all, all these years and generations. He says, who do not hold to this teaching, who have not learned what some call the deep things of Satan. And to you I say, I do not lay on you any other burden. He didn't say that there wouldn't be a burden. Because guess what? All around us, the tribulation and the death of those who don't repent is going to happen. And we're going to see it. It's just you won't experience it. But yet, it's going to make us sad. And you know why we're sad? Is because some of our family members may be in that, in, that gener- in that call. They just may be there. They cry out, and we cry out for our family members all the time and continue to do so. Continue to do so. But at least he's telling there's a remnant. There's always been a remnant. But he's telling for the remnant, and I believe these pockets of congregations who do the Torah and have their faith in Yeshua and is serious about him, and there's others that are not coming out of the system yet are serious, and they're going to be part of this remnant. There's still a calling while there's time. There is a protection for those because he's not going to put us through that tribulation, but you will see it. I'll just use an analogy, gas prices. How do you like them? I don't like them either. Yeah, well, I'm I'm, I'm telling you. The thing about it is, is you see what's going on in this world, in this nation. You can see what's going on all over the world. But you see, we're affected. We're affected by the tribulations that's coming upon this nation. But yet, I have joy. And I have shalom peace. I'm not freaked out like everybody else is freaked out. Because you know why? Because we know the end of the book. We know what's coming. We knew this was coming. We've been saying this is coming. 
We're talking about food shortages. How long have we been talking about that? A few years? So we're not surprised that it's here. But we know that regardless, Yahweh is in control. And we know that even though He's not going to lay any more burden on us that we can bear, but He still shows us that there's tribulation and there's death for those who don't repent. So it shows us that we can take strength and we can be solid and we can stand firm that if He has to feed us with manna, He will do so. Amen? Because He's not going to see us begging for bread. David tells us that. That's why these things are in the Scripture, to give us hope. Just like I was saying, when Moses laid down the first staff, things didn't get better all of a sudden. Things got worse, and you know what? Yahweh was testing their heart. What did they do? They grumbled. They cried out for I don't know how many years, send us a deliverer. There was a prophecy that a deliverer was coming. And now that the deliverer, he told this to Abraham. He told Abraham, I'm going to do all this, but yet your people's going to be in captivity for X amount of years, 390 years, within 400 years. So you see this, and then all of a sudden, you're surprised. But yet, when you see this crying out, when he told Moses, I've heard my people's cry, and then all of a sudden, you would think, here the deliverer comes, and he comes, but it doesn't happen the way they think it should happen. See, everybody wants a quick fix, get me out of trouble. I want to get out of jail card. When I play Monopoly, that's what everybody wants to get first. I want to get that. It's, it, you don't get that. What you have to do is, is you have to go through trusting and faith and believing that the Father's got this. Because if you don't, He's not just going to come up here and beat up your enemy so you can keep doing the same thing that you've been doing. It doesn't work that way. He doesn't mind defeating the enemies, but you have to be sold out to Him. And He knows our heart that if we're sold out to Him or not. Get my glasses back on before I poke my eyeball out. But he says this. He says, and this is the message for us. Only hold fast. And I put that as our title. Only hold fast. Be faithful until he comes. Be faithful until the end. This is a mandate that we have. He said, only hold fast what you have until I come. He has given you something. He's given me something. In this time and hour, this something is so precious. Number one, he gave us his son, Yeshua. That is beyond anything in this world. But what he gave us that he didn't give my dad and some before him, he gave us the Torah. He's revealed to us how to love him and how to worship him. He poured out in this generation a time to restore back to the ancient past. Guys, we in a, as a people all over this world during this time and hour are of the utmost privilege of people. Because after Yeshua, they, they killed him because they didn't receive him. And then you go two centuries down and then all of a sudden you, you start into the dark ages. Because you start changing times in law. And then times in law didn't happen in the 300s when they started it. But by the time the 500s hit, then they had walked right on into darkness. 
and you didn't have the light. You have a remnant that goes all the way through. But there was tribulation and death even back in that day. And so then you come to the 1500s, and then you have the Reformation. You have light is coming out of darkness through people that don't really know. They just, they're just they being led by the Holy Spirit, not perfect people. Heavenly sakes, we're not perfect people. Okay, we're just not. We're not all knowing and all of that. We're doing the best we can. But yet he started back during that period of time and saying the just shall live by faith, that we can be saved, that we can have that connection. We don't have to go through a high priest or a priest or a whatever, a pastor to get saved. We didn't have to do that. This is It becomes now a personal relationship. But the personal relationship was not to be to where I can go off and do my own thing. The personal relationship was to be for each one of us to build a community, a family. He always has wanted a family or build a bride for his son Yeshua. That's what this message is about during these seasons. But guys, to me, and I'm speaking to me first, I have to really do a huge check in my heart because it's, it's out of place to like, how serious, I mean, we're in serious times. And I know that, that we're sitting here and, and we have a, how can I say it? Life is good. I can just tell you in the most part for me, life is good. I've enjoyed you guys. You've enjoyed. I don't see anybody. There's maybe a few people that might. We've suffered some things along the way that's been uh, catastrophic. Yes, that has happened. And the congregation is rallied behind. But I can't imagine what the people in Ukraine are going through. Just for an example, for this day and hour. One day you have a home, then you don't have a home. Regardless of what you think about the thing, it doesn't matter. Because like I told you, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but it's against principalities and powers. There's a lot of times these people are nothing but pawns. But there's people dying. And there's people who don't have their homes no more. And the thing about it is, is we have our home. We, unless there's a fire happening and we don't know it, and hallelujah, that ain't happening by faith. But you know what I'm saying? We're going to get to go eat here. We're going to fellowship, you know. You get a good message today. You're going to get some good Torah stuff here in a little bit. What I'm saying is, as life goes on, we're going to be helping. We help our neighbor. This is things we do. But yet, there's sufferings that happen all over the place. And it's just really sad. And so, really, what I'm trying to say is, is this, is that at the same time that we can have joy, let's don't forget those who are suffering that we would pray for them and lift them up. Because one day, we may be in that same situation. Don't know, but crazy things are happening. Where in the world am I at? Okay, verse 26, he says, The one who conquers and who keeps my works until the end, to him I will give authority over the nations. Can you see, can you understand what he's just, what the privilege that he's giving people? And do you know the reason why it says, The one who conquers and who keeps my works until the end, to him I will give authority over the nations? Because you, you have proved to be a humble people. You have proved to be a servant, and you have proved to uh, serve, and you proved to be a steward over the things that he's given you. If you prove to do that, he can trust you in leadership. This is what this is amazing. But if he can't trust you in the little things, he's definitely not going to give you a role to rule over somebody. All you got to do is look at government and see that today. 
All they want, I don't know how in this world, I'd like to know, nobody will ever show me. I don't know how in the world somebody can go get in an office in the United States as somebody who makes $30,000 a year, and 10 years later he's a multimillionaire because he ain't making that salary. That's right. I just go on conservative. He said a billionaire. But, I, I, I mean, can we not see this where, where all of a sudden you have a house that's 1,200 square feet and you go through eight years of service and you have a house on Malibu or Maui or somewhere like that? Have you ever thought about it? You, it ain't off of a paycheck. These people are not going to be ruling over the nations. These people will be down there fanning Satan. Okay, verse 27. And then he says, And he will rule them with a rod of iron, as with earthen pots that are broken to pieces, even as myself I have received authority from my Father. Guys, this is a privilege. And what you're doing today, you're setting the framework and the foundation. And, and so what I've seen in this scripture, and we can go to, let's go to Deuteronomy chapter 30. Like I said, I don't know how far I'll get through this. But I needed to really, because this is Passover season. I'm talking about not only you. I'm talking about the importance of your children and your grandchildren. And maybe their children. Because what we do today and how we handle things today sets them up to be able to be successful or failure. It just flat does. Because I'm just, I'm going to go through some patterns. And we'll figure out how that goes when I start that. But sin has a bad result to it. And it causes a scattering and a kicking out. All right, Deuteronomy 30, 15. Yahweh said something to Moses to tell the people. He says, see, I have set before you today. And he's talking about me and you today. He's not just talking about them there. This is us he's talking to. I've set before you life and good or death and evil. Now, in verse 16 says this. If you're obedient, life and good will happen to you. Does it mean that you won't see tribulation or death around you? But life and good will be yours. Verse 17 says this. If you turn away your heart or your heart turns away from him then you will now not only experience tribulation, death and evil will be yours. And not only will be yours, but can be your offsprings down these generations. So I wanted to mention this. Passover. Whenever Yahweh told Moses to tell them to take the blood of a lamb and to put it over the doorpost and the lintel, okay, they had a choice to make. They had a choice. They had Moses didn't go out and paint everybody's doorpost. The pastor doesn't go out, or the five-fold ministry doesn't go out and paint everybody's doorpost. There's a choice that has to be made. Instruction was given. Now you need to do what you think might be foolish. Because you don't understand. Some of you do because you've been in here long enough. Killing a lamb in Egypt? That was bad. 
because they had gods that were rams. They had gods, and so what you're doing is, is you are the straw maker and the brick maker, and you're killing one of their gods, or you're, you're, you're really thumbing your nose up. But really, you're not th- thumbing your nose up. You're obedient to your Elohim. Elohim's thumbing his nose up. That's why these plagues were out there, to let them know that there is no other God but me. And there's never been no other Elohim but me. And, and I'm going to prove it to you. But yet, you have to know that when I ask you to do something, there's probably going to be a death penalty to you by killing a lamb or killing their precious God idols, that you know that I am protecting you because you're obedient to me and I'm in control of all of this. Pharaoh is not a God. Now look, there's a choice to have to make. I'm telling you, this is not a simple thing. We know the end of the story. We rah-rah and we cheer and we got pom-poms and all that. But if you're there, if it's the day when they're asking you to do something, this totally against it's going to get you thrown in jail or get you to where you're executed. Are you going to make the stand if Yahweh tells us to go and do what we need to do? I'm just trying to paint this picture. This is where these people were at. They had a choice to make. And when they made the right choice, the death angel passed over. But they were people that didn't make the right choice because there were wailing and there was... There was cries going out because people were dying. The firstborn of cattle, the firstborn of the people, they were dying because they didn't make the right choice. You see how this works? It, it affects here, but now that was just the firstborn. What about the secondborn and thirdborn and all of that? See, it, it, didn't, it wouldn't affect them in that moment, but it really and truly does affect them. And let me share why. Who had the responsibility of the household? The firstborn. It makes it, it was serious about the firstborn because of who the firstborn and the responsibility was given to. So there's a reason for that firstborn. Let's go to Deuteronomy 31, verse 14. I'm just going to track down here. Verse 14, it talks about, this is where Joshua is commissioned. Yahweh came to Moses, and he was called Joshua. I'm just paraphrasing through here. And he presented him before the tent of meetings, that he may commission him. Verse 15, it says, And Yahweh appeared in the tent in a pillar of cloud, and the pillar of cloud stood over the entrance of the tent. Now, they've done come through Passover. They're coming out. They've done went through the wilderness and all of this stuff. Then Yahweh said to Moses, what he's saying here is no different than the book of Revelation. Ain't no different. Listen to what he's saying. Behold, you are about to lie down with your fathers. Then this people will rise and whore after foreign gods. Now, they're not even in the promised land. They ain't even trekked in there yet. And yet Yahweh is telling them what's going to happen to them in the future, because of who they are. I'm going to stop right here just for a second. I take my calling serious. 
Some of you people may get mad at me and Tammy sometime because maybe we're too strict or maybe we you don't understand or whatever. But I'm concerned about the third and fourth generation. You may not be, but I am. Because that's why we compel and we fight and we struggle and we do what we want to, we do because we're because the Father has put a calling in our life not to let just people do what's wrong and think it's okay. We, because it's not just about you. It's not just about me. It's about my daughter and my son and their offspring, and not only their offspring, but their offspring. You keep going down generations. Who believes in generational curses? Good heavenly days. If you don't believe in it, look around and see the, look at the dysfunction I know. I mean, we're a lot of times, we're a product that we've had to break generational curses just for us to be able to have an inkling to see a little bit of light from the Scripture. It's not nothing that we've done. I can promise you that. But repentance does a lot of great things. His mercy does a lot of great things. He can bring us out of a pit and set us on a hill that's a light, clean with a white garment. He can do that. But it ain't in our strength. But yet we had to make a choice. We had to realize and recognize that, you know what? The, my forefathers, the, the decisions that they made affected me. But at the same time, the decisions that I've made in making are now are going to affect my children. And maybe children that's not even born yet, if Yeshua tarries that long. That's how serious this is. So the Father is trying to share with us and me for those of us, hold fast to the things that we've already have gotten. And you know what? He's going to give us more. He has given us, He has entrusted you guys, He's entrusted congregations all over this world with precious cargo. He has entrusted us with the very words of life. Not just to get it and bank it up, but to get it to share and to minister so the very things that he's already given us, he's telling us to hold fast to those things. And we need to hold fast to them because if you don't, your light's going to go out. He's telling us to be faithful till he comes, till the end. It says, I put down here, we need to conquer and keep his works. This is one thing he's commanded us to do is to conquer and to keep. I wrote this down here. Our Passover through Sukkot determines our Sukkot. I'm sorry. Our Passover through Shavuot determines our Sukkot. As I'm going through this season, and I'm just using these scriptures just to tell this story is what I'm doing, but I'm letting us know that as we go through the rest of these scriptures, the things that we do that came out of Egypt, our walk from Egypt, from the Passover till we got into the wilderness and we're wandering around until we finally get to Shavuot, everything there's a golden calf that shows up in here. There's a bitter waters that show. There's all these things that show in here to test our hearts. So since we've been saved, since we've had our coming out of Egypt moment, it tells us this is why the story is so important because this is preparing us, giving us his son Yeshua, giving us his Torah. Then we're, we're doing this transformation in our life to get us ready to be the bride that we need to be for Sukkot. And this is why this is so important. And we go through this every year and every year and every year. But guess what, guys? This has happened. In the physical, this has happened. 
This has happened in the physical. This has not happened in the physical. And this is going to happen in the physical because these two happen in the physical. It's our jobs to guard and keep. He gave Adam, and Adam had a choice. But he gives us, are we going to guard our Passover? Are we going to guard Yeshua and the work that he first done to us? Are we going to guard the Torah and the Holy Spirit, the Ruach that he's given us? Are we going to guard this in our hearts and lives? Because if we, it's our job. If you have a choice, I have a choice. If we don't, if we fall asleep, if we don't hold fast, if we lose our grip, then what happens is, is we may not hear the day of awakening blast. That's how important these seasons are, and especially where we are in our time frame and our life. But I have to say this. If he tarries another season, if he tarries from this, we're in a Shemitah cycle. If we go through this next six years and Shavuot and then a Jubilee, 120th Jubilee is very, 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 very significant. But if he tarries past that, then my job is is to make sure that this is still going on when I'm not here. That this next generation will take this message and continue to grow it and continue to be a people and continue to have this message to be faithful and hold fast until he comes. Because I'm telling you, we, we already know. I don't know the day and the hour. And he's not going to tell me if he didn't tell Yeshua. I just say it's just the way it is. I hear all these people and see all these people online and on the Internet. They know. They don't know. If he didn't tell Yeshua, he ain't telling you. Good grief. You mean, how does that happen? Uh, we so special. He's going to tell me and only tell his own son who hung on the cross and we didn't. Get real. Just say it. Going back to 16, but he tells his people something that's no different, like I said in Revelation. Then this people will rise in horror against the foreign, after foreign gods, among them in the land that they are entering, and they will forsake me and break my covenant, which I have made for them. Now, that's a, that's a sad way to start a journey. But you know what? All of our journeys are that way. We can accept him, but it's a choice for us. I was going to name this, old habits are hard to break. Because a lot of times we get fired up when we get saved and we go through and we're excited. And then all of a sudden, if we're not growing in the Torah, if we're not growing in our, in our faith, if we're not growing, then all of a sudden tribulation may come and we get disillusioned and then we quit. We grow tired of doing good. And that has happened to many saints. That has happened to many people. Because you know why? Because some of us, the gray hairs out here, we know a lot of people who started a good race and they're not in that race anymore. And, and they get disillusioned because they wasn't really taught the truth. I mean, you're, you're taught this, that I'm gonna, I've, I've got to get out of jail free card when I get saved. That's not what he gave us. He gave us salvation. He gave us deliverance. He gave us the right to be called sons of the Most High Elohim. 
That's what he give us. This is not a game. This is not a monopoly game. We're not just going through the motions on this board. We're going through life, and he's teaching, and he's because what is he's growing a family, and he wants us to be influencing one another. He wants us to be energy givers, not energy takers. This is what he wants us to be. And every cycle we go through, but you know what? As we go older, every cycle, maybe he doesn't return. Maybe we can say, well, maybe, maybe. No. Because you don't know when, if he knows the few hairs on my head, if he knows that, then he definitely knows when I'm going to die. And I better be ready because that can go in an instant. Steve was telling me him traveling on the road in his 18-wheeler. He had a lot of good testimonies that he was telling me about how he missed wrecks and fatalities. There's a lot of fatalities that he saw this week, and a lot of things went on. There were six young girls in a Volkswagen that ran into an 18-wheeler through a stop sign, and they all perished. And we're talking high school girls. So we're talking 18 and younger. We're talking their whole life ahead of them. You don't never know. This is why we have to choose you this day who you're going to serve. We have to do that. We can't just say, okay, my week is planned. I've got all of these things to do. You know, whenever I stood before a judge one time, when I was working offshore, and it was jury duty time. And I told him, I said, Judge, I can't go. I can't be on a jury because I have a job out there, and I'm the only electrician because I was on that platform. That was the wrong thing to say to a judge. And that judge looked at me. He says, are you trying to tell me the whole oil, the whole oil industry is going to shut down if I don't let you go out there? Now, I felt that tall. I felt as tall as a toenail. Because you got all these other people back there doing just what you're doing. When he said that, I said, well, no, sir. He said, well, then hush and go back and sit down. You're not excused. But see, but my boss had told me, you need to go in there and you need to do what you need to do to get out of jury duty. So I did what my boss asked me to do. I went back and told my boss I will never do that again. And he laughed at me. He says, well, at least you tried. I said, you knew what he was going to say. He said, yeah, but I want to see if you'd do it. <laughs> I said, yeah, I did it, and it didn't work out too good. But here's the thing. Moses, as awesome as Moses was, he didn't go into the promised land. So we're not eating a bag of chips. So we need to influence what we can influence in the hour of light of day that we have. Amen. Yeah, as you were speaking, I was, um, a lot I've been pondering, of course, the last few days because of, uh, the last few weeks because of Passover, but when we are in Yeshua, this is common, so I'm just leading up to this scripture to validate the point of what he's doing. If we're in Yeshua, he said, you are the seed of Abraham. So then when we go back and we read the covenant made with Abraham and the walk that Abraham did and the reason Abraham was chosen and this was my father's heart, my earthly father's heart. And he, he must have said this to me a thousand times, which is probably why y'all hear it all the time that I say 
this about Abraham, we're of the seed of Abraham. So when you go over to Genesis 18, I want to set it up that this is right before, I think this is interesting that we're hearing this, in the season that we're hearing it, yes, Passover's coming. The wrath of Elohim is about to come to Egypt. Mm-hmm. And the wrath of Elohim is about to come to the world. And he forewarned in the days of Noah that the wrath of Elohim, there's a flood coming. That's, That's right. wrath. You, there's That's many right. ways, there's idiomatic expressions that can be used. That's right. But the wrath of Elohim is coming. And I, um, I actually did a word, a little bit of, started a word start study. I haven't even remotely completed it. But 185 times in the Bible, the word wrath is used. Because I'm just trying to understand the idiocy of our world. Uh, Sandra and I have talked about this. It's just, I uh, use the word insane in text all the time. It's like, it's just insane. And so when you think about, there's no way that the wrath of Elohim isn't going to come to What I'm about to read to you that Yahweh said was right before the judgment is going to be coming on Sodom and Gomorrah. Mm-hmm. And Abraham is interceding and pleading for his family and others. That's okay? right. That's so right. here's what he said. This is verse 17 of Genesis 18. Yahweh said, Shall I hide from Abraham what I am about to do? Since Abraham will surely become a great and mighty nation, and in him all the nations of the earth will be blessed, for I, Yahweh talking, have chosen him so that he may command his children and his household after him to keep the way of Yahweh by doing righteousness and justice so that Yahweh may bring upon Abraham what he has spoken about him. So he's t- t- he chose him because he knew he would teach his children That's right. and his household after him. Amen. Because it is a house that Yahweh is building. Amen. And the Papa, as Terry often says, is calling us back to his house. Amen. Because it is not his will that the children of Elohim suffer his wrath. He doesn't want anyone to perish. No, not one. Correct. So he sent his son. And that was a, that, that's the beautiful thing. May I, may I just stand up and share yeah. this? Get on up here, girl. The reality of... What Yeshua did, I I think this year has impacted me even on a deeper level. I was on my face this morning in prayer, and I'm I'm just picturing the the whole burnt offering. That's the sin offering. And it's completely burned up, and no one partakes of that. None of the priests, the high priests, no one partakes of that because it's a whole burnt offering. Then Yeshua comes, who is going to be the sin offering because You know, we often say our sin doesn't just affect us, it affects other people. And do you know how really big that really is? Like we say, yeah, we we know that. We've experienced that in our own personal lives. But one man sinned in the garden, and it affected the whole world. So when we say that, that's no trite statement. But through one man, he did away with the recompense for sin. He gave us life. And he, 
because he died, he took all those beatings for our healing, for our, for, uh, he shed blood for every conceivable thing on this earth. And he died. He was that whole burnt offering. And in the Hebrew mindset, you're not considered dead until after three days. So just to make sure they know it's a whole burnt offering, he doesn't rise up again until after that. And then he springs to life so that we have life. But you know, you can't unburn that offering. And what I was doing this morning when I was absorbing that concept, because I always ask him to cleanse me from all unrighteousness. I want to come into your presence today, and I want to make sure nothing's known or unknown is, is standing in the way. And my personality, I can battle, and some of you I know are the same way. You can battle, uh, am I really forgiven? I mean, you know, you just always feel like he's ready to club you over the head. Am I really forgiven? Yes, because it's a whole burnt offering. You can't bring that sacrifice back and, and, and your sin be revealed. And I was sent today, and I, it's one of my favorite truths, and I wrote this person back and said, this is one of my favorite truths in the Bible. And they sent a little video clip of a guy holding a globe. So picture this, because I don't have a globe. Anybody have a globe handy? <laughs> Do we have a globe? So picture a globe, and you're at the North Pole. And if you travel down, you are going south. And when you get to the South Pole and you head back up, you are going north. So that does change. But when you go from east to west, it never changes. There's no beginning or end to it. It's continual. So when David says in Psalm 103 that our sins are cast as far as the east is from the west, there's no way that it can be brought back. That's right. Amen. There's no way to unburn that whole burnt offering. It is done. It is finished. Yeshua said, it is finished. Amen. And so the, the bigness of what he did for us to become born again and to become believers in him so that if we sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins if we confess and repent. That means turn away from it. He is faithful and just to forgive us. And then it is no more because of what he did and what he accomplished. But this is what we have to teach. We have to tell our minds this, but we have to teach our children Amen. and our households after it. This is what my earthly father told me over and over and over. I sat at his feet, literally. Like, he would sit in the chair, and I'm a floor sitter a lot of times. If you come to my house, you know a lot of times I end up sitting on the floor. And I would sit there at his knee, and literally, as an adult with kids. Tammy, teach your children the truth. And then teach your children to teach their children the truth. And my father taught his children the truth. Though late in life, I was 18 years old when my father, when I became born again, because my father was 40 before he became born again. So I know the life of being raised in hell, Hades, <laughs> hell, heathen, as a heathen of the world and darkness. And I know what it's like to come into light as a family. I don't want the darkness. 
I want the light. Because darkness is loud. It thunders in it. So I say that today mm-hmm. to validate he is wanting us in his house. But we don't come in there any old way we want to. We must come through the door who is Yeshua, who was the whole burnt offering. It's never going to be unburned. That's right. It's done. It's finished. And that's good news. Though the wrath of Elohim is coming, we are shod with the preparation of truth to what? To tell the gospel of the good news of the gospel of Yeshua, the Messiah, our Redeemer, who came to bring us back face to face with him. I was picturing Terry. um, If if you would grab that stick right there for me. Is this okay? I'm almost done. I mean, I didn't even know I was going to do this. No, you're good. You're good. I'll tell you when you're done. My dad said, if I want your opinion, I'll give it to you. That's right. Okay, would you pull it? You just don't talk about me. We're good. Don't bring me. Leave me out of your business. You want me to hold it for you? No, I want you to hold that for me. Hold what? The the tzitzit thing. Oh, is that what that is? A tzitzit? Okay. Well, I don't know. I think someone made okay. it for that. Okay, I do need you to hold my mic. Yeah. If you need me to hold you, what's the deal? Would you be my air there today, Bill, a minute? All right, Richard Kilbrew. Now you need Richard. Could come on, help? might as well okay. come on here, Richard. Can you see how this is right here? These are two sticks, two trees, if you will, joined together. Said they're going to become one tree in my hand, or one, two sticks are going to become one in my hand if you'll put it back together. When these things are back together, they become face to face. And that's what he's doing. He d- did what he did to bring us back face to face with him. I'm glad that's you and not me. Hey, it took, it's about that much work to get us back, right? Two houses come back together, one in his hand. Seven, one, uh, one and two, Mr. Terry. My people hear my instruction. Listen to what I say. I will declare wise sayings. I will speak mysteries from the past. Things we have heard and known and that our fathers have passed down to us. We must not hide them from their children, but must tell a future generation the praises of Yahweh, his might, and the wonderful works he has performed. He established a testimony in Jacob and set up a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers to teach their children so that a future generation, children yet to be born, might know. They were to rise and tell their children so that they might put their confidence in Elohim and not forget Elohim's works, but keep his commands. Then they would not be like their fathers, a stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation whose heart was not loyal and whose spirit was not faithful to Elohim. And he goes on to say, there's hope. That's right. There's hope. Amen. He's made us hope. It's a whole burnt offering. If you and I have confessed our sins, And we have repented from our sins. He is faithful and just to forgive us. Picture that as a whole burnt offering that cannot be undone. 
and let's teach that to our children. That if, Mark used to say it this way, our sins are going to be one of two things. They're either going to be forgiven or accounted for, but they are never overlooked. So we must, forgot what, forgiven or? They're never overlooked. But they're never overlooked. So we might forget, we may not repent, but he knows. So please, let's take inventory during this time, and let's receive the finished work of Messiah so we can become face-to-face with him because he is building a house, the whole house of Israel, coming back together in Yeshua's name. Amen. 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 Redeemer.